Looking good, John. Well, I got the specs on because I can't see too. When I'm, what do you call it, nearsighted? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this way here, I'm good, you know. But for close up, I need the specs. A little I gray, like it. nice. It, it, it's a good look for you, man. Happy Sunday, fun day to you and yours, man. Yeah, same to you. Thank you so much. What's going on today? Well, today we're just hanging with the family. We had a we had cold. Where are you on? You're on the West Coast, right? Yeah, I'm in Las Vegas. I'm originally from the East Coast. So we had uh, we had a pipe burst here yesterday because it's been like 15 below with the wind chill. So uh, yesterday and into today, I was messing with the pipe, you know, because I can sometimes fix these little things. I couldn't do it. I did like five Lowe's trips. Talked to the guy. Talked to another guy. How do you do this? YouTube. Couldn't do it. I called the plumber. He's coming tomorrow, though. <laughs> so today, man, after all that, after this, I'm probably going to lay in the bed, man. Lay in the bed and chill. Hey, that's what Sundays are for, man. Relaxing, you know, usually football. You went to sports, John? Yeah, not, I mean, not like I used to be. I am. You know, I grew up in Boston uh, as, a, as a younger person. I loved every, every – I loved them. I played them all. Loved all the Boston sports, but as I got older, eh. I'm a big yeah. boxing guy. Baseball, I mean, yeah. you know, your team is my enemy. I would imagine you're a Sox guy, right? Oh yeah, from yeah. Boston. Uh, you know, I'm originally from uh, the East Coast, like I was mentioning, uh, Roselle Park, very near Elizabeth, Newark, all that. Right now, I'm living. We live in Amherst, New Hampshire, which is about 45 miles north of Boston. You know what I mean? It's it's southern New Hampshire. It's very mass-like in a way. It's good for like, younger kids. It's good for them. Kind of quiet. You know, a little bit of a hassle for me to commute sometime, but whatever. This is where we are <laughs> right now. So yeah, I tell you what, I miss the food on the East Coast. In Vegas, we got some good, you know, eateries, but nothing like the pizza yeah. with the water over there. We got it going on, man. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. There's plenty of plenty of chow around here. And you know about food being on the set of The Sopranos, which I want to talk about. You made your yeah. grand entrance as Gigi in uh, season two, episode number one, grand entrance, and uh, ended up being, uh, in my opinion, a guy cool enough, you know, to be like Elvis and end up dying on a toilet later on. So yeah. congratulations on that. Thank Tell you. us about your journey as Gigi with The Sopranos, John, if you don't mind me asking, man. Well, sure. If you want to hear from the very beginning and so forth, or sure, man, let's go for it. So, you know, I had this audition. I hadn't. I jumped into the first season late. You know what I mean? It was already making rumblings of this new show, The Sopranos. I wasn't watching it as as it appeared on Sunday night at that moment. I was hearing about it, and then I suddenly caught up to it somehow, somewhere. I forget even how. But I remember going, "Oh, I want to be on that show. Shit, that was a good show." You know. So uh, I got an audition. I went in, I did that thing in season two, out of nowhere, bing, bang, boom, right? And then uh, I got worried that I was going to be used more, you know, doing good, recurring character, ba beep, ba boop, getting promoted. And it was going great. You know, everybody liked it. I liked it. Uh, and then, of course, up until the day of the faithful phone call, which was, you know, that phone call about see you later, um, it was all good. You know, it was great. So that was a that was a blow, of course, you know, getting that call. Um, because he had just said, like a real person, he said, This is a phone call I hate to make. And I went, I knew what that meant right away. 
and it was like it was like a real thing. It was like a real death. I'm like, oh my god, when next show? How you die in the toilet? I'm going, <laughs> what do you think he's telling me? Right? So I'm going, no, 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 no. You can do something else. Ah, oh, sorry, man. You know, we like you, but this is what we're gonna do. This is gonna be good. I go, no, no. And then I kind of pleaded, you know, he was like kind of patient. He goes, hey, this is what we're going to do, kind of thing like that. And I went, okay, hung up. About eight days from that day, I went in, and I had about nine days to shoot, though, still. So I still felt like I was on. I kind of like things kind of subsided mentally, emotionally. You know what I mean? It could seem like, oh, I'm still here for like a month. You know what I mean? By the time all is said and done. And I got back there. I was in the regular groove until, and then finally that, that last day came, you know, and that was it. Although I strangely came back the next season for a dream, sitting in the back seat, which was what? Okay. I mean, I was glad to do it. Money, this, that, but getting a phone call. Let's see. Yeah, you're going to be in a dream. You're totally going to go like this and you're going to be there for a minute, a second, a second. The test dream. That's a great episode. Test dream. Where Tony's in the living room with the horse and Carmelo's looking. Yeah, I love that episode. That's such a random that's a great underrated episode, man. And it I, is. you ended up doing a total of thirteen. Um I think you know, it was a thirteen or fourteen. I think it might Yeah, thirteen or fourteen and, and uh yeah. he's risen a great one that unfortunately was was the end of uh our captain. You yeah, know? I mean, I always like, you know, everybody wants more, you know, a show like that, of course. Picture it being on, like, the Patriots, right? And uh, they're off, to, they're on their way to the Super Bowl, and they go like this to you. It's great, but you're going home. You know what I mean? You go, women. That train was, I mean, even by season three, the, we were the, the premieres were at, like, Zigfield Theater, these big, huge parties. And they were huge in season two and three. Like four, five, six, and onward, whatever. They were huge, really huge. I mean, I would see Keith Richard. Everybody was there. I was like, what the hell? Then. So you don't want to go home, naturally. But when all is said and done, I'm glad I was on it. It was a great thing to be on. Obviously, the greatest show ever, still, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I agree. The cast, the writing, um, it doesn't feel like, you know, obviously a television show. It doesn't even feel like a movie. It feels like real life. Uh, everything yeah. about it, especially being from the East Coast, the one thing I love about The Sopranos is that it really captures the essence. And I like that David Chase, you know, was very particular about filming um, in that area because that has a certain look. That Jersey City area, that Newark yeah. area, you know, that – that has a very certain distinct look to it yeah. with the Polanski Skyway in the backdrop and stuff. Like, you know, uh, you could almost smell it through the television. You know what I'm, yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. The planets were in line for him, for yeah. the show, for us, for everything. You know, the, the miracle of having James Gandolfini. I don't care who it is. And obviously, it's easy to say you can't picture anybody playing roles. You can say that about anything. Say it was somebody else. Ah, a little bit. No, they got the only guy who could have killed that role to that level. And I don't know if it was Ray Liotta. Somebody said no to an offer. It might have been Ray Liotta, a legit offer to play that role. I think it was him, right? I think, I don't know. Yeah, I know that he was in the mix. Like and, uh, an offer. 
Yeah. And as good as he is, and it probably still yeah, people to love the show, I'm sure. But they got a guy, man, that was just friggin' off the charts. He is and that he, character. Everybody, he, you, yeah. everybody in that show is that character. It's unbelievable. Like, to, to me, he was like the son of the thing, and everybody was just yeah, great characters, no question. Junior, Paul, you go on and on and on, right? But he he was the he was the man, and it all emanated from him. And I've always said that, you know what I mean. And, and it, it's and made it what it was. And then we all complimented whatever was happening. But for Chase, though, don't forget, he got turned down by like uh, a, a network, ABC or NBC or something. Yeah, that might have would have been a much more PG, obviously, thing. Uh, wouldn't have worked the same way. Just no thinking about saying they said yes to him. Shot a few episodes and said, "Listen, you canceled." That's it; it's over. But they say no to him, which must have been crushing to him at the time. But turned out to be good. Years later, HBO goes, "Yeah, sure, let's let's, let's go for it, man." Right? So it all worked out. Everything worked out. Right time, you know. Beautiful stories, man. And you know yeah. what? It was the right show at the right time. You yeah. know, and look what it's done for television. You know, uh, lead characters, not only male, females, um, everybody, you know, uh, the whole uh, way shows are set up like Sons of Anarchy and Breaking Bad and like the crew, like there's such a purpose to television now. And I I believe The Sopranos really set like an example of how to make really good storytelling over time and really bring the characters in the home. Like Sundays were a big deal and it's a big deal to me that you're spending a Sunday morning with me over here. You know, uh, where I'm at, because it's a big deal. I mean, the Sopranos, when when the Sopranos were on Sunday night after, you know, the weekends, you had HBO, you had, uh, you know, the great shows on, uh, they, you know, obviously on the Sundays, but you had the boxing on Saturday. You looked forward to Sunday, whether it be Oz or Sopranos or Sex and the City. Yeah. I mean, the weekends were set. They're like, what are you doing this week? And I'm, I'm watching Sopranos. Sunday, say right now, this time of day, both there and here, it was palpable that you went like this. The Sopranos is on tonight. <laughs> it's fucking Sunday. Watch The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. It was like a right. It was a real thing. You go. <sighs> it was psyched about it. You oh. really wanted like it's on tonight. I waited a whole week. See, they did, that was before the streaming thing where you see everything at one time. Yeah. Even though some of the some of them are backing off that now. You know what I mean? Oh, they don't yeah, give you the whole yeah. They don't want to give you the whole load at one time. Boom, you're done with it. It was right. better. It was better to lay it out once a week. Oh, man, I tell you what, when I waited in between, I'm 44, so what was it, season two when you came in, when Pussy returns, like, that was a big fucking deal. Like, I, honestly, we watched it at a bar in New Jersey. Uh, someone, you know, had it rigged, so we had everyone there shooting pool and doing everything. And then yeah. that came on, everyone bought food, everyone shut the fuck up, we <laughs> sat down and watched it, and, like, that was the biggest thing, when Pussy comes in in the beginning, you're like, oh, man, this Amazing. is crazy, just like that, and uh, that that was a big anticipated episode. It's incredible, I mean, prior to that, like, um, say the networks, you know, there was such a thing, I'm, you should probably remember, like, the ABC Sunday Night Movie of the Week. Of course. That was a big deal. You know what I mean? They had like a special sort of different thing that was not like a series. There wasn't a lot. You know what I mean? 
really, HBO had just really started. They probably had done a couple of things, but these dramas like this, I, I don't even know what, but it was amazing, you know? Yeah. And the first season, incredibly, even in its formation stage, really holds up well, looks great, sounds good, you know? It's just, a, it's, it's an amazing lightning in a, in a bottle, really. Yeah. It looks phenomenal still, like, you know, the way it was shot. And uh, even with the cell phones, I mean, I think it's just great that, you know, I love modern television. You were talking about apps, so it kind of ties in. And I do love all this stuff, but it does get confusing, and it becomes a distraction. And even yeah. when you're watching TV nowadays, they're using things in very good TV shows. I'm like, I can't relate to this because I don't know what the fuck they're doing here with this thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, right. it's like I don't, and I have to ask my wife, "What, what is that?" And she's yeah. like, that, "That's something that you do." That. I'm like, ah, "That's all right. I'll just take it for what it is." I guess it, it does starts the engine on this fucking plane, but yeah, I mean, man, uh, they have to. They, I know, and these writers, these new shows, they got to kind of acknowledge that this stuff exists and try to work it in. But you're right; it complicates things, and you got to do the phone, the cell phone, these big iPhones. With the flip phone of those primitive phones, that was perfect. Yeah, yeah. The, it was just a step above like a phone booth. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like the <laughs> Zach Morris Saved by the Bell thing. What would yeah. you say to like up and coming actors? Because, you know, sometimes like less is more. It's an oversaturated market. Like with apps, there, there's so many indie films being shot, which is great. I mean, and I have a lot of friends that are actors, and it's just like there's so much. Where do they even start to dip their toe, man? You know, in many respects, it's easier to do something, something, than it was, you know, when I started up. For example, you can film yourself and put it on YouTube, and it's, you know, whatever. Maybe you get the, maybe you get hits, maybe you don't. But to start out legit-wise, where there's so many people, you just gotta, you just gotta hope to get a bite. You need a lot of luck. You need talent. You need luck. You need the perseverance. You need the ability when the time does come. I've blown some opportunities, I'm sure. You know what I mean? You can. It's, it's like Monday morning quarterback. You go home and go, that audition, you know. You know <laughs> Could have had it. I fucked it up. It wasn't good. But whatever. You think about it. But you know something? Every now and then, it, you get the phone call. You know, you go, I mean, my batting average, right? It's not a great batting average for auditions I've gone to and the things I've gotten. If I was a baseball player, being the minor leagues. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one to say that. You know what I mean? Honestly and realistically, that's how it is. Of but if you go there, let's say baseball, you like baseball. I'm all for 10, but I freaking hit line drives right, right at somebody. All right, that's good, right? If you're hitting dribblers back to the pitcher, you go, something's wrong. Yeah. You're stinging it. You go, I am onto something. I'm not getting the results yet, but something's something. So you keep at it and you hope you get a bite and see how long you can stand it. That's like everything in life, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm a professional drummer. I have been a very long time. You know, I do this uh, interviewing thing, and I'm into uh, boxing heavily. I do a lot with the pod and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you just got to keep chipping away, man. And uh, the thing is that that's what I love about, like, people that are creative because you still love it at the end of the day. You don't ever want to go out there and just throw yourself out there and just take everything. But at the same time, it's like at least you're creating. 
there's right. some gigs that I could that I did, and I'm like, why did I do that? And there's something I should have done, and there's something I wish I got, and I'm like, man, I could have done that. And for whatever yeah. reason, I shit the bed at the audition or something as a drummer. I think yeah. I wasn't tall enough. They were like, hey, you know, you look good, you know, um, you play good, but you know, you're not tall enough. I'm like, man, but you know, you stick it out. But let's talk about your start in acting, if you don't mind. Like, what got you in, man? Well, I really um. I didn't act as a young person, you know what I mean, or high school or nothing like that. I had no real aspirations to be an actor. I was going to college for criminal justice. Not that I even loved that. I was just going to college. <laughs> they showed up on Law and Order, though, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah of so, course. So um, I took that because I didn't really want to go to work. You know what I mean? You know, so I, I went to college. And I said, "What can I take?" Uh, shit, everything because I wasn't a, I wasn't a good student. So I said, "Criminal justice seems at least mildly interesting to me." So I took it. Uh, you know, sort of into it. So I went. I went two and a half years straight doing that in college. Quit. Just randomly quit. Getting all. I started getting A's. Quit school. Don't want to go. I go back. Now I'm 26 going part-time at Suffolk University in Boston. And I go to grad, one of the graduate get out of there. <clears throat> the registrar said, you didn't uh, fulfill all your requirements. You know what I mean? All that shit you, you require. I go, what do you mean? Who do we talk requirements? Well, what? I go, well, from this column, you know, science. You got to take something from here. And then there was public speaking, voice and articulation, acting and about seven other things. He usually got to take something from this column. I go, ah. I really didn't want to. I go, usually you can't graduate. You got to take something from this column. I went, well, let me take the acting. I swear to God. Just like that. I went, I went, I'll try the acting. Okay. So I took it. I go to the class. And I go, oh. And you're going to get up in front of people all of a sudden. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was a ham and egg with my friends a little bit. It was funny. It was kind of, you know, crazy, whatever. But still, and I a little, but once I started doing it, I strangely went, I think I like this a lot. You know what I mean? I felt, yeah. Like, yeah. I felt like I could channel my weirdness or something into this. <laughs> exactly. It's a great way to put it. <laughs> you know, any creative outlet, as a musician, the first time I went up there, I was nervous. And I was very young when I did it. You get used to it, but still, you always feel it keeps you sharp, yeah. that sort of thing. But that's what you got to do, man, you know? Yeah, so that's what I did. So here in New England, of course, there were no films. There was nothing. So I say, okay, I want to be an actor. Okay. I start studying. I know I, I feel like I got something. You know what I mean? I don't know what level, but I got something. I, I, I can do something. Um. In Boston, there were corporate videos. You know, those are corporate training, industrial films, we call them. There was a shitload of those. And they paid well. Um, there were commercials, random commercials you can get. There was theater. So I did all three, a mix of all three. Wow. And I you know, eked out, like, you know, making a living. Making like a, kind of making a living. Yeah. A like, not... not more than a lot of guys, but not an actor. Yeah, you're a surviving actor. Yeah, you go like this. Wow, for a guy living in Boston, I'm surviving, doing miscellaneous things. 
So then I go, okay, I'm really into this. I want to. I, I need to be, you know, I need to be a fucking champion of the world here. <laughs> I'm in New York now. You know, I mean, so I start sending pictures to New York people, all that bullshit like that, right? But then I say, I'm afraid that they'll see the Boston postmark on the envelope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. dismiss me. That's right. This, this is how dedicated we were, how times have changed. It looks like the Pony Express right now. Yeah. In, in, in the advancement of like shooting your whole video off on a phone to somebody. It's unreal. Instantaneously. We have to lick the envelope, put a picture in it. Put, right, so anyway, we say to ourselves, me and a couple other guys, we must circumvent them looking at the envelope. We'll go down there and we'll slide pictures under the door. It'll save, it'll do two things. They won't see any Boston postmark <laughs> and they won't have to open the envelope. It'll be there. The picture will be there. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, say they open the door. That's what it was. You got a little book called The Ross Report. It had all like, was this big? Like all the, where the casting offices were, where they're located. And you'd literally do a little map. Okay, we'll go down this street. I mean, I, I can't even believe I did it. We'll go down this street and uh, see who we can slip pictures under the doors to. It's big signs, no solicitation, don't walk in here, get out of here, all that shit, right? But by doing this, it started everything for me. Without doing this, it wouldn't have happened. So I got a bite from doing this, from ABC, all my children. That's amazing. I was going to ask you about soaps, yeah. So she goes, uh, yeah, so anyway, I I get a gig, an under five, they called it back then, to be on the soap. And it was great. I didn't think it maybe didn't know. Anyway, it went really well. In the meantime, I'm sending out stuff to an age agents, and they're all ignoring me, you know. My tape is like, because I'm selling, I'm a rookie still. You know what I mean? I go, you gotta, I go it's Boston stuff. You got to see the potential. I mean, not like you've only done this. No, you got to say like, you've done this because you're over here. But it's good. So if you're over here. So anyway, um, that lady at the, at the soap was really nice. And I waited. I said, fuck it, I'm going to call her. You know, I because she complimented. She sent me a, whatever. She told me I did really well. I forget if we had a phone call. I waited a little bit. I called her. I said, listen, Gene, John Fiore, remember me? Oh, yeah. Hi, John. I go. I go, listen, if you don't, how, if you got a minute, how, how do I get an agent? I just, I'm, you know, if, I'm, if you, this is no good, we're going to hang up. I don't want to be too pushy. She goes, hold on a minute. And she came back on the phone. I go, Monday morning, you're going to Henderson Hogan Agency at 10 a.m. I went there. I had my tape. Chick saw the, I was lean, mean, you know. Yeah. Boom. They signed me up. Shit. Month and a half later, I end up on Law and Order, recurring role for nine years. Man, and, but it all started from that. You see what I mean? Yeah, um, like like a, like a little spark. Yeah, huh? that that is unbelievable, man. I love stories <laughs> like that. You know, um, again with these creative outlets, you know, with music and film and all that kind of stuff, it's like you get stories like that, inspiration. Yeah. You know. When I used to do amateur fighting or, you know, uh, still continue to drum this day. And like I said, with the uh, with the podcast and everything like that. And uh, we're so happy you you came on today. I still got a little bit more to pick your brain on yeah. if you don't mind. But, uh, 
you know, uh, that's the thing about, you know, just using the creativity and uh, everyone's got a story and it comes from a, a spot. Sometimes you don't even know where it comes from and you find yourself out there acting. Yeah. So that goes back to what you were asking earlier, like what you can say to younger people and so forth. There's so many things, you know, the old saying, just throw the shit against the wall. Yeah. See if it sticks. Like, hopefully. I mean, there's truth to it because like I said, if I didn't do that, seriously, if I didn't do that, I may have never gotten an agent because I met so many people over the years. Yeah. They, they, good, good people. I can't get a break. Thank you. My wife just poured me a glass of Beno. Salud, Jendan. Salud, Jendan. Beautiful. <laughs> so uh, um, that's what you got to do. You got you to do it. You got to keep, keep punching to use the vernacular, right? That's what you got to do, man. You know, it's like, it's always been for me, like, you know, music and, um, you know, my father was a musician. He actually was in a band with Frank Vincent and Joe Pesci for a little while. Um, they used to play at the Jersey Shore. And, uh, you know, I, I always thought it was badass, man. My dad was a great uh, jazz. Awesome. Was yeah. he really? Yeah, blues and jazz guitar player. And I oh, got cool. into drums and uh, then nice. I saw boxing and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I just kind of wanted to do a variety show. So I got boxers that come on. I got actors such as yourself. Yeah. It's great, man. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I actually did a little acting here and there during, you know, COVID. I was like, you know, someone was like, yeah, we need you to do this. Or can you, we need a person to do that or this little scene. It's impossible for me not to, like, be Johnny from the East Coast and come in and be like, oh, what's going on over here now? You got a problem with this guy? With right. him? Let, me, let me talk to him. And like, oh, yo, John, just just be, you got to be a, an agent. You know, you're a federal agent. They don't talk like that. You know, just just be there, be stoic, and that's it. Okay. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I totally overacted. Well, some of these people, like when I used to go to Law and Order, right? I would drive up from, I'd get the heads up for doing the show. And um, I would drive down, stay at the YMCA, you know. There was a phone booth down the hall, like a pay phone. It wasn't even a cell phone. When I started out, like, that was later. Yeah. So you had to run down the hall all day checking your answering service, going, uh, any calling like that. And I remember going on that show and meeting some people there who were like extras in the precinct. You'd see them all the time, you know, same faces. And they'd go, hey, how's a guy like you come here from Boston? You get a recurring role on a show in New York. I'm waiting tables and I went to Yale Drama School. I go, that's the way it goes. That's just the way it goes, man. There's you no know? fairness in this game. It doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's just the way someone gets the break. Some people get those breaks, man. It's beautiful. And it's well-deserved. Like, you know, guys like, you know, the, the cast members and, you know, uh, a show like The Sopranos or just in general, like, you know, great uh, work of art. You know, whether it's a fantastic movie, a uh, great television series, uh, great music, you know, that, that that's – that's what it's all about, man. Again, creative vibes and getting out there. Good people that are there for the right job and opportunity. Look at a guy like the drummer from Rush, you know, that yes. had a great opportunity. Neil, yeah. he never had those opportunities. He took a chance with his drum set that were in stored in garbage cans. Right. To audition for Rush from UK to Canada became one of the most decorated drummers of all time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Take a chance. What about with music? You like music? Uh, obviously, you Love do. Music. What kind of Big stuff? Music. Well, I'm, I'm uh, I guess, I mean, I'll still lean to my era, you know, classic rock, but deep, heavy, deep dives, not just, you know, 
top 40 stuff. I'm a real music buff. I, I've had about, I think I still have in, you know, that Mojo magazine, music magazine? Yeah. Thousands of those. And a uh, big fat thing out of England with freaking deep, heavy articles on music and album reviews. Oh, yeah. Back stories. Uh, like 2,000 record albums, maybe 3,000, 4,000 CDs. I don't buy them anymore, the CDs, of course, because you don't really need to. Yep. But I love music. My older son is a uh, rock and roll guitarist. He has a band called Cooked Out. They're phenomenal. Awesome. He, he is a... Where, where can I, I have a big music uh, audience. Uh, where can my listeners find that band? Bookedout.com. They're on Spotify, all that stuff like that. All They're everywhere. They're really good. Um, they've got like a fusion sound, a little surf, rock and roll, little blues. I mean, they really make it their own. They're unique. They do some great covers. And it's not just because of my, my son, right? I play the album going. I don't even remember it. I go, I just love this. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I remember like all the heavy stuff. I've been listening to Embedded at night, 17 minutes of the doors doing uh, the end of the Isle of Wright Festival. Okay. I'm on that, I'm on a kick. You know how you want to kick? I'm on this right. thing. I'm, I'm listening to every version of the end and when the music's over, I can find. Um, Again. Yeah, I call it Music Appreciation Hour. I usually go on my balcony. Um, I usually have a little something with me, obviously, yeah. right here. Uh, sometimes I'll upgrade to a little smoking device and uh, put on some doors and uh, kind of lose myself a little bit. The the great, great, like they're one of my favorite bands of all time. I think oh, yeah. one of the first prog rock bands, um, right. ever under extremely underrated in that category. Yeah, and not even the hits. I mean, it's the other yeah. stuff. Like, like, say, Love Her Madly. All right, that's not great. Yeah. Whatever, you know. But those the radio hits. Forget that stuff. It's the right. other. It's the the hidden stuff. The lesser, what seems to be the lesser stuff to the general public, which is not the theatricality of the band. The era and time they came out of, the place they came out of, the whole thing just is magic to me. And there's many bands like that. And that's I, I do deep dives, like you probably do. I'm even doing currently. I'm into George Jones, Eric Country, and all them guys. Yeah. I'll go there. I'll even go there. I go all over. I don't do rap. Yeah, just it doesn't hit. Yeah, I may no, hear something. It's just not my bag. I want. I like guitar playing. You know what's funny? It wasn't my bag until um, I met my wife. She's big into country. That was like the one style I didn't listen to. And then I started listening to the lyrics. It's about getting laid, knocking out your bills, getting drunk, and enjoying life. I'm like, you know what? This isn't too bad because this sounds like my life. You know? like So it, it, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, the old country, though. The new country, I'm not, I'm not vibing on that. I don't yeah, yeah. You're talking old school. Old school. Cowboy shit. You like George Jones, Johnny yeah, Cash, pre-American recordings, which were great. I love the American recordings you do with Rick Rubin. I love all that. Yeah. But I'm talking even before that. Merle Haggard, you know, like stuff that these guys couldn't get played nowadays. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's a different style. Uh, let me ask Rock and roll, this. basically, is, is, is my main thing. You oh, know. absolutely. Same here, man. You know, Rush, uh, Toto, Zeppelin, bands like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Here, here's what's up. I got, I got a big one for you here to, to close out. Tony Soprano, did he get whacked at Holston's at the end of the Sopranos? I've always said no. 
He did not, and I'm going to hold to it. Although sometimes I go, I oh, maybe he did, you know, because sometimes they hit you that way. <sighs> but then I go, no. Because I believe, and I'm not 100% certain, Chase has sort of contradicted himself on this, I think. I think I read stuff and goes, well, no, I don't know, no, no. Then I read, I think, not long ago, a year ago, whatever. He goes, well, he got whacked, yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's whatever you want it to be. But the show had to end. Even though he fooled, the thing about it, it was the greatest trick in history that every person everywhere said the cable went out, right? Yeah. You thought the cable went out. You couldn't believe it was going out at that moment. Everybody, well, what just happened? You know? And then people are pissed off. Jeez. But yeah, people were pissed. you can't even think. It's, in, it's actually, in a way, ingenious because people are still talking about it. Other shows, I can't even, I don't even remember what their endings are. I go, I don't even know. This is who cares. Right? It just ended. Whatever. But this ending, people still talk about it. So I guess it was a good move. Yeah. Keep people talking about it, right? Man, I tell you what, when I, I remember watching that big watch party and everyone thought the same thing. And then I rewatched it again. And I was like, you know what? I, I think that they're just blacking him out. He, he got shot. You know, very well might have. You know what it is? It's the love of Tony Soprano that you don't want nothing to happen to him. Yeah. I'm going, no, I don't want to go there. So I go, no. It was just a minutia, the day in the life. I mean, you could really analyze it both ways and come out whichever way you want to go. He's in a world of bad guys. Yeah, they're shady, scary looking guys walking in and out sitting there. Okay, this is his life and world every day, probably to some degree. And that uh, was just another one. And they, they focused on it. They highlighted it. They built that tension with Metal Park in the car. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty cool ending, really. I, I, I thought it was it. phenomenal. I, I love the way it sets up with the POV and, and the music. And it just, it, it, there's a lot of closure, too, when he goes and sees Junior and Janice. Like, it just, it felt right. Silvio was in the hospital, you know. Right. Yeah. It was like the, the whole crew was pretty much out, you know, it just it made sense. Um Everybody was whacked, bang, hit. But there ain't no show quite like it. I actually went, um, it was funny, me and my sister, uh last time I was in Jersey to visit, I'm like, I had never been to the Soprano house. So I was like, You wanna take a ride with me? She's a big fan, obviously. So we go over there, took some pictures, and we went to Holston's and I got the booth. And I was happy and it was meant to be the because I asked the woman you know, she's like, she heard the voice or whatever. She's like, oh, you're here for, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, hold up a second. She gave me the booth. I was like, oh, yeah. wow, that's nice. And uh, I got to say, the onion rings are pretty damn good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the host of this cheesy documentary on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It's a long story, but it's, it's Sopranos Behind the Scenes, it's called or whatever. It's made years ago. And, um... It's people, lay people, submitting their videos. Say they're shooting out in the street, and you filmed it with your little camera. The guy who made this thing would buy your footage from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that's what made up the whole thing, interspersed with interviews that he got from me, Robert Fanaro, Frank Vincent, a whole bunch of people. I would love to see that. I'm on it's this sound now. So yeah. here's what happened. So I did the. I was the host very prominent host role, right? He released it after only three seasons. It was out. 
And then for licensing, after about a year, he had to pull it from the shelves. Okay. So he leaves it be. Then the show goes on for another three years. He accumulates more footage, more footage, more footage. It's a bigger thing. So my host roles, now in the final analysis, my hosting presence has been diminished because he went another three seasons right. and he loaded, loaded it up more with um, with footage, which was great. Yeah. You know. right. But it's out there. It's kind of weird. It's a little cheesy, but it's also pretty good at the same time. You know? Hey, I'd love to watch it. I'm interested in that stuff. And I'm, I'm sure the audience is too. And thank oh, you. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. There's some, there's some, like the POV from a person's camera standing on a street corner, you know, from like looking at it like that. Yeah, some some of the cast talk talk to the person filming. You know, they may hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Yeah, whatever stuff. Like yeah, that. I'm looking forward to it, man. You know, and I, again, I'm sure the listeners are, and we appreciate you spending so much time. This was great. So much. I gotta time plug my pot my podcast. I have to plug. Please, the Be a Man Experience podcast. A lot of people know the Be a Man meme. It's huge, over a million followers on TikTok. I think a million on Instagram. My friend is the legendary Be A Man. We don't say his name. He is the Be A Man. Be A Man is Be A Man. And he's got people, there's a lot of people don't really know who he is. We'll hear this. But he and I do a podcast together called the Be A Man Experience. And it's all the places podcasts are at. And it's we've done 50 so far. And you can watch them on full episodes on YouTube. There's short clips. There's the full things. And it's doing really, really, really well. Who would have thought, right? Love it, man. Well, you got great stories, and, and we're looking forward to that um, as well as I am. And uh, where my listeners can hear it, they know. But uh, I'll send you the links and everything. It's, you know, iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. you said everywhere. You know, the audio stuff and then uh, the video, obviously, YouTube, and I'll be up for our listeners soon. I cannot appreciate you guys enough. Also, for the listeners, one more time, your son's band, please. Cooked out. Cooked out. (laughs) You're going to like them. Awesome. John, you and yours, much love and respect. Thank you, you. man. Yep. Thank you.